Successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Grill Nation. Get a hooter. Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show and online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation, always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello and welcome to Grill Nation. This is your host, Jason Grill. I appreciate you joining us today on the KMBZ Business Channel, 1660 AM and on KMBZ.com. Hope you're enjoying uh, your month of May and... Uh, very excited to uh, be back with you today on the show. Thanks for checking us out on Twitter at Grill Nation and at Jason Grill, and for visiting our website at GrillNationShow.com. All of our podcasts, show guests, photos, everything you need to know about the show is there. Um, joined today by uh, contributor, partner, man about town, attorney John Kenny Hertz from the Kenny Hertz Perry Law Firm, who is the uh, partner in Grill Nation, the Grill National, if you will. Back in the studio. It's been a while, John. Uh, it has been a while, but it's uh, it's good to be back. How's how's work going? It's going really well. I um, we're looking to hire another attorney, but because uh, we've got a lot of work, so that's good. Um, working with a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of businesses, right? Yeah, I'm actually meeting with uh, some guys that you know pretty well after this show that have four or five companies, and so we like clients that come with multiple files and multiple matters but yeah we do a lot of work with entrepreneurs and hopefully continue to do so and you've uh you've had a good time good couple months yeah yeah just uh chicago last weekend went to a cubs game <laughs> oh cool um yeah cubs royals in a couple weeks are you gonna go going, to that i think i might go back yeah absolutely I appreciate an invite i mean um, i gotta got us tickets for that too well, well you, know, I, you know, maybe I will go. <laughs> maybe we will. Maybe we will all go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well, it's good to have you on the show today. I want to, uh, before we get going with our first guest today, kind of thank all of our partners and supporters of Grill Nation. Uh, obviously, John Kinnehertz from Kinnehertz Perry, the Bash Group, uh, Andrew Bash, who's a guest host and contributor, great real estate company. He's been he's been killing it when he's been in the studio, John. And uh, you have a runner up, or you guys are neck and neck for best guest co hosts on the show. Um, Ryan Maybe from the Rieger Grill, Rieger Hotel Grill and Exchange and Jay Rieger and Co. Whiskey is also a guest co-host and contributor. Uh, Danny Pfeiffer from Catalyst. He had a lot going on his plate. He was on the show last week. He's a contributor down in, in the Missouri legislature. A lot of, uh, interesting things happened down there and, uh, talked about Kansas as well. And then finally, the Kansas City Power and Light District downtown. Uh, we've had them on the show and they are a monthly segment, uh, sponsor and contributor. So I want to thank them all and, uh, very excited to, Talk about who's going to be on the show today, John. Um, we have uh, Megan and Colby Geralt who will be on the show. They are the owners of, of Bluestem and Westport and Rye over in Overland Park. And uh, I think it's Leewood or Overland Park. We'll ask them that. But it's it's a great development down there at Mission Farms. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be talking a lot to th- with them about kind of what they've their journey, what they're working on today, their new book, uh, new cookbook or new book made in America, and uh, get some tip, tidbits about uh, Kansas City food scene. So that'll be our first segment. We always love to have people on discuss about, to discuss <laughs> Kansas City restaurants. It's yeah, fun. right. And uh, talk about their journey. And then we're also going to have a really cool guy, uh, Nigel Eccles, who's the CEO of FanDuel. I met him mm-hmm. at South by Southwest this year and uh, gave him a pair of Sock 101s and convinced him to come on Grill Nation. So he's the CEO and founder of the largest, basically the largest daily sports fantasy football and sports site in the world, uh, over $500 million, I believe, in revenue. Yeah. payouts you sent me you sent me my homework for this show and yeah. i couldn't stop reading about this guy because of what he's done is pretty amazing it is and i have had a little bit of um experience with the online gaming industry and and some of the legal issues surrounding that and what this guy's well, done you're, you're gonna have amazing. to ask him about that because let me just tell you it's pretty interesting how he's kind of navigated those waters yeah um, i read that he's looking to uh, revenues of about a hundred million this year. 
So yeah, and 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 a billion dollar company Correct. hopefully in the next yeah. couple of years. So, anyways, that's a good gift for Grill Nation. So we're excited to have him <laughs> on the show. Yeah. I'm glad I took that trip to South. Yeah, by. exactly. Um, so it's a great show, to guys. Thanks for listening today, and uh, let's get started here with uh, Megan and Colby Geralt, who are in studio. Welcome to the show, guys. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming in. Um, well, I, I I assume that most listeners have been to one of your restaurants, but maybe they haven't. Uh, they're world renowned. Uh, tell us a little bit about your two restaurants that you have, and then we'll kind of get into your background and how you kind of came to where you are in Kansas City and, and your restaurant business. Yeah, we have two different restaurants. <clears throat> the first one, Blue Stem, we opened. Uh, it's been eleven years now in March. And uh, it's our fine dining restaurant. <clears throat> it's yeah. actually got two different sections to it. We have one side that is a formal dining room and then the other side, which is a lounge. And it, it just renovated it. Recently. And we mm-hmm. just gutted it and redid it last year for yeah. a kind of 10-year anniversary. The renovations will be a year old in June. So it's still really fresh and new and just more contemporary than when we started with. And what has the response been on that? Oh, it's been great. I mean, it's just the layout for it. It's, it's better for us, you know, not only just in the way that the restaurant operates, everything's kind of where it needs to be. But we used to have couches and stuff in the old lounge and we took all those out and put real restaurant seats in there now. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really helped with revenue and, and it's just an easier place to go in and eat than it used to be. So tell us about that 11 year <laughs> journey at Bluestem, like the restaurant, <laughs> like, you know, the growth of it. Well, basically, I know it's, it's, it's very well known route. And now John, you probably eat there every night, don't you? But I, I, get I wish for, I get there for breakfast every Sunday. Yeah. The brunch there is, is probably my favorite, but, but dinner, at Blue Stem, I mean, you guys never disappoint, and great wine list. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, you guys have done an incredible job. Awesome. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. We, uh, you know, we, Megan and I met a long time in Chicago and moved around quite a bit, and then when we were lived in Los Angeles, I was pretty much tired of working for people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we kind of, I had all these concepts in my head, and, and we just basically sat down and started write, writing a financial plan and, and writing a business plan and then, you know, came back home and I, the building I'm in, I actually, uh, worked in the space that where pot pie is now years ago. So I knew the landlord and, uh, it made a, a really easy transition essentially. It's kind of a common theme for a lot of guests we have on this show that they get tired of working for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you get, they like they want to work for themselves. Sorry, tired of working for other people and, and end up working <laughs> for themselves. Sometimes we're tired of working for ourselves. Sometimes I get tired of working for myself, too. <laughs> yeah, me, too. me, too. And then I yell at myself and I end up back at work. But anyway, uh, maybe you can tell you know our listeners a little bit about that because I think you know a lot of people that listen to the show ask me, you know, how do you get from idea stage to you sure. know starting a business to then 11 years of success? Well, and people often ask about why Kansas City, and you know, I'm a Chicago native, and uh, my husband is from Kansas City, from Kansas, Leewood, grew up there and worked in Westport forever, and I think really the ease of it was knowing the landlord, knowing the space. He knew that there wasn't really much happening in the way of fine dining outside of like what the American was doing at the time when we opened Blue Stem, right. and so there was a niche that needed to be filled in Kansas City, which which kind of drew us back, and our training was fine dining. I mean, we both met and worked at True in Chicago. We worked mm-hmm. at Ariel in Las Vegas. I worked in um, at Park Avenue Cafe in New York City. So we had all this this background and pedigree of, of fine dining and really wanted to do our own voice of it. You know, and really, I think just being young and closing our eyes and diving dumb, in and taking the and risk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I mean, it's it's part of that mm-hmm. journey, but, you know, it's necessary. Yeah, and it's interesting to look at your guys' background with, you did travel to a lot of cities. Uh-huh. I mean, you worked in a lot of different restaurants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in Chicago, Las Vegas, and I know you were in New York, Megan. Mm-hmm. And then you were in L.A., right? In Santa yeah, Monica. we were both in L.A. We were both yeah. in LA okay, yeah. so when did you guys, this is interesting, when did you start dating in this process? Well, we <laughs> we met in Chicago and okay. then went to Vegas and L.A. and then back But here. you all went, you went together. To <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, and as far as the, the part about, I have young cooks all the time that I know they want to open their own places and... I mean, it's just like any sort of entrepreneurship. Like you have to want it really bad. You can't just kind of want it. Right. Yeah. And you, you have to really want to succeed, too. And you have to be able to kind of navigate through the waters. And, and you know, I, I see a lot of people fail when they won't admit to themselves that something isn't working. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, they keep trying. And, you know, it's that whole old adage that you keep, you know, the same result happens sure. after you keep going and sure. going and going. 
So, you know, I, I think that's a huge part of it. And I see a lot of too, like in our field with creative people, uh, chefs, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of them are so focused on just the food and it, you have to be able to separate, you know, what you do with the plate from a business end. And, and that's been 11 years of us learning too, but you know, that was also a main focus from the beginning. How can we get this restaurant to function properly and maintain? And some people are just in it for the food side of it. And, you know, that's when restaurants can really struggle too, you mm-hmm. know. So you have to have a good balance of creative energy, which brings people in, excites people. But you also have to have the background knowledge to know how to keep it going. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> talk to us about when you did come back to Kansas City. Now, because you obviously could have done this in Los Angeles. Yeah. You, uh, is it just because you knew the people at the, the I West think the, yeah, I think that was part of it. I think there, you know, <laughs> no one, I mean, I think I was 28 when, when we opened Blue Stem and, you know, I couldn't find any money anywhere. Sure. No one was going to, you know, and especially fine dining. And, and I also really wanted to be in a place where my family, my friends could under, you know, could enjoy the restaurant. Mm -hmm. You know, if I was in LA or in Chicago, then they would never be able to go there. Sure. So, I mean, that's a little bit of it. It, you know, I I wanted to come home. I, I'd been around in it and had enough. And I knew that Kansas city at the time, I'm, I hate to admit this, but there was kind of small or big fish, small pond kind of mentality. I was, I knew what I knew, what we knew how to do. Yeah. And there wasn't a lot of that going on here. So I, I thought that there was, you know, a marketplace for it. Interesting. And you guys just released a new book, right? Yes. Talk uh, about that. Yeah, Made in America. It's our second book. Um, it is actually written about, you know, the recipes and uh, basically the heritage of this region and about our other restaurant, Rye. Yeah. And tell us about a little bit about Rye. And we'll get back into Rye after the break. Um, how is it different than Bluestone? It's basically when we were writing the first cookbook, um, we started to realize that we wanted to tell the story of, of where we grew up and how we grew up and how we grew up eating. You know, we'd go, you know, we don't go home and, and cook foie gras and, and, you know, poach, <laughs> poach no, fish sometimes. and bouillon, you know, it's like we make fried chicken and steaks and barbecue. So we just wanted to take that kind of side of, of right. It's definitely more accessible yeah. comfort family style restaurant that is more everyday food, you know, fried chicken, barbecue and pie. A lot of people eat that. Daily. Shrimp grits. Hope they do. Shrimp grits. And I have to be honest, <laughs> I have, I've only, I have not eaten there yet. Have you been there, John? Oh, yeah. That's terrible. Oh, I always just go to Bluestone. <laughs> I, I have not because I don't. I I'm not around there as often. Well, that's part of your homework next time. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. But I've heard great things. It's uh, been a lot of fun. Uh, and you guys have really kind of transformed that we space. We would have brought too. you a buffet if we knew. I know, some I know. Chicken and some well, pie. Um, but I've heard good things, and I've heard that uh, you know, it's that area is really developing down there. Yeah, the Mission it, Farms area. Yeah, we, Mission that, Farms. They've Mission done a great Farms job great. of, oh, and really, our our connection to it was the local. I mean, Blanc Burgers is over there. Tavern, mm-hmm. um, Room Thirty Nine. You know, there there's a lot of local restaurant mentality. Yeah, and I grew up like right up the street there. Oh, you did. <clears throat> yeah, and and obviously Doug Weltner, who's our landlord. He um, he knows how to, I guess, you know, recruit and talk to people like us. You know, at the time, it was our second restaurant. Um, we did have to go out and get investors for this one, and we weren't going to sign our life away, you know. Yeah, right. And he was awesome. You know, he came in, he helped us, you know, sign a great deal and, and put it together, and it worked out really well. We're uh, we're on with Colby and Megan Geralt, the owners of Ryan Bluestem, and two of the best chefs in the United States. Um, we'll be right back after the break on Grill Nation again. Where can we get Made in America the book? Uh, you can get it at Barnes and Noble. You can get it at both the restaurants. Um, you can get it online. It's pretty much everywhere. So very cool. Yes. You guys got time to stick around for one more segment? Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. John's going to come up with some really good questions this segment. I think. Oh yeah, we've got the uh, you're on the, 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 on the grill. on the grill segment. <laughs> Perfect for these two, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we're right back on Grill Nation. Thanks for listening today on the KMBZ Business Channel, sixteen sixty a.m. and on KMBZ.com. Running down the street like your hair's on fire. Thoughts running fast like a man on a wire. Can't stop laughing, but I don't know. Welcome back to Grill Nation. I'm your host, Jason Grill, alongside guest host and contributor John Kenny Hertz from the Kenny Hertz Perry Law Firm. We're going to continue our conversation with Colby and Megan Geraltz, the owners and executive chef and executive pastry chef of Blue Stem and Rye. Guys, uh, 
We were talking about your background. Let's talk about Kansas City. How has it changed, and, and where really are we on the map with other cities that you've traveled to? You know, I think since growing up here, I, it's changed you know, immensely. It's even changed in the 10 years that we have, um, you know, had Blue Stem open. I think a lot of that has to do with just in the entire country. I think people are really focusing on regionalism mm-hmm. and I think they're really focusing mm-hmm. on where they're from. You know, I, it's, you know, I think people in Lincoln, Nebraska, I think people in, in Boise, I think people all over the country are starting to realize that, you know, everybody's city is special. And it's fun to kind of watch people start, you know, getting excited about it. Yeah, it is cool. How do you feel or how has it affected your business, I guess, in Westport with all of the additional development, new restaurants? And I think it's amazing. I mean, Westport was kind of like, oh, we don't know if we want to go there, <laughs> you know. But um, you guys were, yeah, 11 I, years ago. It, I mean, wasn't, it wasn't real bad 11 years ago, but it went through. Yeah, I wasn't a 20-something in Kansas City. Well, I guess I was when we opened Bluestem, but I didn't, my single years weren't here. So I didn't experience Westport as a bar scene. I've only known it as where Bluestem lives. Um, So I have kind of a different perspective. But I mean, from the additions just down the street with Local Pig and Port Fonda, you know, and all of the, I think the bars are maturing. They're not you know, yeah, young bars they, anymore. They're coming of age. Right. Of more, more, really. more of like craft type places. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I hate to use the H word, but the hipsters have kind of taken it back over. You know, it's not Made just it cool a, again. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> yeah. Just a, it's not just a, uh, you know, a, it's a cool area. frat boy, yeah, just, true. you know, fall down in the street place anymore. It's, it's actually, it's, it's incredible what's happened. Yeah, it is. It B- is. Before law school, I was bartending at California's. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we uh, know them. <laughs> yeah. And you remember Kenny? Used to work there. No, you kind of ran the place. We know Kelly, the the daughter. Okay. Well, Kenny was like a, a wealth of knowledge about Westport, yeah. and he too kind of agreed that at the time it was going through a bit of a lull. Yeah. But I mean, I would like to think that that restaurants like yours have have really kind of helped spark the the movement of I, Westport yeah. being cool again. Yeah, I think it. Well, I mean, when I worked where Popeye, it's a place called Stolen Grill, and and. <clears throat> That was pretty much unheard of. That, yeah, I don't remember that. And, and everyone's always asked me, why did you guys decide to go there? Besides the fact that we knew the landlord and such, it's just, you know, we're, you know, two, we're about a mile north of the plaza. I mean, it's it's really yeah. easy to get to pretty, us from. And, you can hit Ward Parkway pretty easily and yeah. get out south, too. But, you know, I think, too, with Westport maturing, it's just our our age demographic or whatever you want to call it, you know, we like to eat and drink and Mm -hmm. we like to do it well. And, you know, I think that the addition of everything that's happened in Westport is just elaborating to that. I mean, and even with people making their own, you know, with what the Riegers doing with their own whiskey and Mm -hmm. with one of our bartenders at Rye, Giuliano is making her own bitters. Now it's like everyone's Mm -hmm. kind of diving into the craft of everything around what's happening in restaurants and bars. And that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, if only there were some good apartments next door. Um, yeah. Let's see. Let's talk. Uh, it's time to put you guys on the grill. We do this on Grill Nation. Uh, yes. Uh, can we uh, can we go back and forth? And this is sponsored by Kenny Ertz Perry Law Firm today. Absolutely. One can, of the best law firms. Can we go back City. and forth where you ask a question and then I will? Sure. Basically, kind I'm going to hand you the spatula. Yeah. The, the, the tongs. <laughs> the tongs. Yeah. yeah. Um, the spatula's okay. on the grill and melt. See, yeah, right. Exactly. What do we hand a pastry chef? We'll have to figure that out. Uh, um, one of those bags with icing in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, let's just let's just get going here. I'll start off at the top with uh, one of my favorite things at, at Bluestem breakfast was the uh, the biscuits and gravy. Mm. Why did Why did you guys take the chicken fingers off the top of the Bluestem biscuits and gravy? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, great. Um, because I I do love your brunch. There was the best a, I city. had a kid that worked for me for a long time that did it and and put the chicken finger on it and I just seemed a little silly so we did oh it's so good though With maybe my special it'll go request, back jason I, you I, too I, can I, have I, chickens I, on your biscuits. i always get the eggs uh, the eggs benedict now because i'm i miss that chicken oh, i always get what <laughs> is the uh the chip chipped uh oh the pork chip. yeah i mean yeah, I, yeah, it's there's so, a thing so in the good. book about uh the the made in america book growing up my mom my aunts they all make chipped beef on toast and yeah. so that beef that you use for that that comes from the grocery store is disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And th- what it's based off of is is a, a ta- or is a is a dried beef called Bresciola that's about thirty dollars a pound. Oh wow. So it's a little too much to so we decided to go with some prosciutto instead. Very interesting. John, you got one? Yes. If you were forced to drink one craft drink that you make at either Blue Stem or Rye for the rest of your life, what would it be? 
uh, the old square. Yeah, Van Zar's old square. Both of what, you. What, what to explain that? Well, what is that? I drink white wine most of the time. But. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I sure what's all though. in it. I'm going to be shot for saying that it's whiskey and oh man, I don't know what's all in it. What's it called? It. The old square. The old square. And they batch it and age it. It's in the Made in America cookbook on oh, page. There you go. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> get the Made in really America save, cookbook. Save that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what What is your favorite restaurant in Kansas City that you don't own? Ooh. Good one. Um, and, and we're not going to get into little specialties here. It's your go-to. What's your go-to? We go to Port Fonda um, for lunch all the time. Mm-hmm. Tacos and tall taquetes. Mm-hmm. Or for me, a sangria, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, That's a pretty There's easy a lot one. of them. We go to typically go to restaurants that our friends own. So, you know, Room 39, Michael Smith's, Port Fonda. Yeah. Um, the local the local gyms, right? Yeah. Well, it's we get to walk in and talk to people. So, Exactly. Okay. If you decided either one of you now to join a sock of the month club would it be sock 101 or Absolutely. something differently okay. um, you get that in quick, every show you do with me yeah. quick promo mr gerald did get a package of sock 101 for his birthday which was last i don't week. have them on nice awesome yeah, so. thank you very much yeah. well we, we we encourage good there socks go. on the show there you go. um what it, you guys have traveled a lot what is what is your favorite city to to visit in the in the world hmm in the world, I don't know. Or in the United States. I mean, do we have to say Chicago, Chica- I guess. Chicago yeah. was a blast. We went there last weekend for the yeah, James we Beard Awards just two weeks ago. You were there last weekend, too? Two, we- two, two weeks, weeks, weeks ago. Two weeks yeah. ago. So, so, maybe so- we should all go back for the Cubs-Royals <laughs> game. Actually, my, my, my chef at, at Rye, he's from Chicago, and he's a Cubs fan, and he, is, he and his wife are going to, to the Royal Series. Yep. Um, yep. So is that is that this, you know one of your favorite food cities, I imagine, Chicago? or is it? Yeah, Chicago and New York. Most yeah, definitely. Absolutely. They're very different. Chicago is very... Um, Chicago's changed a lot over the past... There's been a lot of new stuff happening in Chicago. and I mean, it's better, It's my hometown. It's bittersweet for us. It's where we met. So, mm-hmm. you know, we have a lot of connections there when we go. New York's a lot more traditional, the way the restaurants are built and, you know, the style of food. And Chicago is very open-minded. You will see things really? there that you don't see. Yeah. New York is a lot more conservative. Yeah. You know, they want their fine dining French. They want this. They want that. And Chicago's like, hey, let's do whatever. Do what, whatever. If, what You said you're at the James Beard Awards. Obviously, you've, you've gotten uh, honored as the Midwest, in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do people think about Kansas City right now when you travel to these places? Well, we're getting good pub and magazines. Yeah, and we are. So. I, it's funny because I kind of, you know, I, I get recognized a lot more when we do the big national stuff than I do here locally sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, but we were actually up for outstanding restaurant this year, which is, there's only 25 of them in the whole country. For Blue Stem. For Blue Stem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is pretty Which cool. was awesome. And then amazing. we but actually it, cooked at the, the awards this year. This was, is kind of the last contribution that we have with them. Yeah, I always say Kansas City's always been a food town between mm-hmm. the barbecue and steak, but now it's it's become, you know, just it's more exciting. And yeah, I mean everybody talks about KC as a food town. They're excited about Kansas City outside well, of our walls. Awesome. We gotta get going here. Uh John probably had another couple questions. I just want to know if you called James Beard Jim, James or Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy for sure. He was an interesting man. Yeah, Mr. We'll Beard. talk about that off air. Okay. Uh, Megan and Colby Geralt's uh, owners of Bluestem and Rye and great chef here, chefs here in Kansas City. Thanks for coming on Grill Nation. Thank you. Uh, you can check Thank them out at Bluestem in Westport and Rye in Mission Farms. Yes. Both different types of restaurants. Also check out their books, mm-hmm. especially the new one, Made in America. Yeah. Very cool. Thanks for coming in, guys. Thank Thanks you. We'll be right back on Grill Nation. Thanks for listening. Your picture perfect blue, some bathing on the moon, start shining as your bones illuminate. First kiss just like Well you can tell everybody, yeah, you can tell everybody, go ahead and tell everybody. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the Hello, man. welcome back to Grill Nation. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for joining us today. Again, on the KMBZ Business Channel, 1660 AM, on KMBZ.com and on iTunes and TuneIn Radio. Um, here with guest co-host, John Kinneyhertz. Thanks for coming back, John, after the great first few segments we had today. Thanks for having me. Always um, a pleasure to be here. It's always great to see you. Uh, we have a very exciting uh, guest coming on the show. I actually met him at... South by Southwest this year. I try to go once a year, John, and uh, uh, enjoy it down there. Make some really good connections down there in the tech industry. And uh, met the CEO of FanDuel, uh, which is one of the, well, it's actually the, he's the godfather of daily fantasy sports, John. 
That's according to Forbes. According to many, many, many media outlets. But he gave right. a, a speech. Nigel Eccles gave a speech at uh, a panel speech with uh, folks from ESPN and Yahoo and had an opportunity to hear from him while we were at South by Southwest, with, uh, which was very cool. And so I had the chance to talk to him afterwards, and I, I thought this guy would be a great guest for the show. I've told him, you know, we, we focus on entrepreneurship, tech, uh, startups, uh, sports a lot, and there is no better guest to have on the show. And luckily, uh, he agreed to come on, and so we are very excited to have on uh, Nigel Eccles, the CEO of FanDuel, on Grill Nation today. Nigel, how are you? Uh, great. Thanks, thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for being with us. Um, tell our listeners a little bit about your background. Um, I know you're from Northern Ireland originally, mm-hmm. but uh, live in Scotland and back and forth in the U.S. now, correct? Yeah, yeah. so originally from Northern Ireland, uh, like uh, Roy McElroy, uh, you might know, <laughs> I, your listeners might know. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, you know, I, I basically in, in 2009, uh, we launched Fangio. Um, we were really the leader, the, the innovator came up with the idea of of short duration fantasy sports games, um, and we uh, we thought uh, we thought that people love fantasy sports, but we felt that we could make it faster and more exciting. Uh, we thought it could be better and mobile. Uh, we thought we could do a better job than some of the other guys who were doing it, and we just also thought it would attract a kind of younger demographic. And that was 2009, and really since then it's just been a you know a story of what? very rapid growth. And then John and I, obviously, we are we are in fantasy sports leagues with our our buddies. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I've been in one. With my, you know, good high school friends and some mm-hmm. college friends for you know fifteen to twenty years, and then other yeah. ones spring up, and uh, we're kind of in that that thirty to forty mm-hmm. uh, demographic. Um, tell us about what kind of the reaction was, I guess, when you first started talking to some of the people in the fantasy sports world and the tech world about daily fantasy sports. Because I got to be honest with you, Nigel, too, I'm still uh, coming around to it as a uh, old time fantasy yeah. player. Yeah, you know, a lot of people, in fact, I think on that panel at South by Southwest, I had, uh, I had, um, I had Matthew Berry, and he was kind of, he first saw it, he was like, hmm, I don't think these guys are going to stick around. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's obviously now a huge proponent of it. Um, I think in the early days, uh, you know, they, I think it was a lot of questions about whether, um, you know, was, would this appeal to people who played season long because you didn't have some of the key aspects like trading or waiver wires? Um, and so I think early on there was a bit of skepticism. We had certainly had early adopters who, um, and I think there were two types. There was the one group that sort of thought, this is pretty cool. Like, I like basketball, but would never play season long, and so they could just drop in and out. And then we had another group, which were people who might play in 15 or 20 fantasy sports leagues, and they wanted to play in more. And they loved the idea that then, on Fangio, they could play in 100 leagues in one day, and they could run, you know, run 100, la- 100 lineups. Uh, and so that was that was kind of the early the early days. Um, there was, you know, it was early adopters, but certainly by no means did, did most people think it would be successful. Mm-hmm. Were there? Uh, this is uh, this is John Nigel. Are there people that are are basically professional fantasy sports players that that play on your website? So you know, we don't we don't know whether uh, whether other people have their day jobs. I you know I certainly believe that there's there's a handful of people that play at that level and, and win at that level. You know, the important thing to know is that you know it's a game of skill, and therefore you know you will have skillful players who win consistently. And you know, certainly we believe the industry is a size where you know people could be winning, winning, you know, making a living from it. Mm-hmm. And you and you you mentioned that. And so, talk to us about the market size. I know it's is it mm-hmm. forty one million players, or what, what's the actual so size of fantasy sports? Forty one million fantasy sports players in North America. Um, uh, for us, for daily fantasy, it's probably only about one and a half million paying players, um, of which we have about one point one million uh, of those. And I thought that was real interesting at, at the South by Southwest panel, Nigel, because. You know, it's such a big industry, fantasy sports, and mm-hmm. you, you guys have obviously grown, and we'll get into your numbers here in a second, but um, it's just amazing that it's it's only still 2%. I, I feel like yeah. it's a lot more. You know, I mean, you have so much room to grow. Yeah, it, it's, you know, it's amazing. You still, you know, uh, like a lot of people are like, well, how can you not have heard of it? But a lot of people you talk to, and they're like, no, I'm still in my Yahoo League or my, you know, ESPN League. Um, and and they've not heard of it, or maybe they've heard of it, and, and they're sort of like, I still don't really know what it is. Um, so yeah, it's you know we're, we've only scratched the surface of the market. Mm-hmm. But you've experienced some pretty rapid growth. I was looking at some some yeah. numbers, which I'm sure you look at quite a bit, being a, <laughs> being a numbers guy and a and a mathematician. Um, 
Yeah. But fourteen million in fee income in th- two thousand thirteen to fifty seven mm-hmm. million and projected a hundred million or more for two thousand fifteen. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's certainly you know very very fast growth. Um, it's you know I think in the last couple of years you know the certainly the product has got a lot better. Uh, mobile's driven a lot of growth, and I just think the concept has tipped into the mainstream, and and so suddenly people are like, yeah, I get it now, and and, and more people are now like connecting with their friends, and like now I get get the idea, and and also that I think some people felt it was either this or playing their traditional season long, and I think more people are like, actually, I can play in both. Yeah, talk to us about Nigel. Um, we're talking to Nigel Eccles, the CEO of FanDuel. Um, talk to us about the. Uh, uh, Excuse me. The, the the partnerships you have that you've you've grown mm-hmm. racially. I know you've got some extremely large partnerships with some, you know, major league, yeah, NBA, NFL. The, yeah, talk to us about yeah. that. Sure. So yeah, so we're the official partner of the NBA um, and around seven teams, um, and then with the NFL, we're the official partner of around sixteen teams. So we're about half the league, um, and so where we got to those where um, we. You know, our, our product is, is fundamentally about sports. It's fundamentally about making sports more exciting, and so we wanted to work very closely with the teams and with the leagues to kind of to kind of help them understand the product and to kind of get close to their fans to say, hey, you know, we're we're driving you know a huge amount of excitement in sport. We want to get close to your fans to kind of show that we're like closely associated with your with with the, your the team that you love or, or or you know the sport that you love. And, and talk to us about that from kind of the legal perspective um, mm-hmm. with with sure. with. with the whole, you know, you've dealt with a lot, obviously, with with getting yes. involved in all the different states. And John's an attorney; I'm an attorney too, Nigel. Yeah, and we're really fascinated by that. Talk to us about that because I know at first that was probably a interesting path yeah. for you. Yeah, no, that that also was certainly a challenge in the early days. And um, so, fantasy sports, uh, you know, it's got an interesting history. It's actually, you know, it was a fan activity. It wasn't something that was invented by sort of some some company or invented by ESPN or even a startup. It was invented by fans as a way to engage in sports news. Um, and, and the reason why it's, it's legal is, is because it's considered a game of skill. And so a game of skill, so it's like a golf tournament or, or a road race or spelling bee contest. And so it really grew up in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, but there was still some um, question marks about what was fantasy sports and therefore legal and then what wasn't fantasy sports and, and therefore probably illegal. And so in 2006, there's the Unlawful Internet Gaming Enforcement Act, which created this safe harbor for fantasy sports and said, this is what fantasy sports is. And that's generally interpreted to be that if you're within that act, then then you're legal. Um, and so what we do is we ensure that we're legal in the states we operate in, and we operate in 45 U.S. states, and we uh, also ensure that all our games are compliant with uh, the Unlawful Internet Gaming Enforcement Act. So do you work closely with, uh, I guess, I don't know exactly who enforces that act, but mm-hmm. do you work closely with the regulators in that regard? So it, it's more, you know, state attorney generals um, or state uh, gaming commissions. You know, we certainly have dialogues with those. We also uh, lobby in certain states that we can't operate in. So, uh, for example... Um, you know, uh, example, Louisiana, there's currently a bill going through there that would legalize fantasy sports. Mm-hmm. So currently, no form of fantasy sports is legal in, in Louisiana. Similar in Washington State, Arizona, uh, Iowa, um, and, uh, and Montana. That's the five. Right. And so basically in those states, we're working with legislators saying, look, it's kind of insane. This is an activity played by 41 million Americans. It's a social fun activity it's a game of skill and you're one of the five states that you, you can't actually play it and so we've had a lot of traction like talking to legislators in those states and saying you know let's craft a bill that would create um, a safe harbor for fantasy sports mm, so it's so amazing to us you know as as people that have always uh, i used to host a fantasy sports show i just don't it just doesn't make any sense to me it's the gaming rules and all this stuff and it gets a little too much for me. I I, I don't mm-hmm. totally disagree. I've always been a proponent of. I've always been a proponent of opening it up in different states, yeah. sports betting, all that stuff. You know, we don't. We know you don't do that, but it's um, mm-hmm. it's really interesting to me that legislatures. Some of the legislatures don't really understand it. But yeah, so you know, so you know, gaming is a is a social issue, and generally, social issues are left up to the states. Um, and so that that's why we you know you need to engage at a state level to decide you know what what's legal in um you know what's legal in California may not be what people at 
I believe should be legal in Arizona. Um, you know, but even in those states that we, those five that we don't operate in, you know, certainly when we talk to legislators there, there's a, there's a lot of support for fantasy sports. People sort of feel it's an anomaly that their state is one of the five that, that operators can't operate in. Mm-hmm. Do you often get grouped together with, um, well, I guess there's probably not a whole lot of them around anymore, but the online poker um, mm-hmm. obviously went through quite a mm-hmm. tumultuous history um, with Black Friday and and, yeah. and all of the enforcement that went on there. Do you, do you, I'm sure you've done a good job. Clearly, we wouldn't be talking to you of separating yeah. yourselves. <laughs> yeah, so that's, you know, that's, and there's a very, like, important distinction uh, between us and, 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 say, like, an online poker operator is that, you know, there's very clear law at a federal and at a state level of, of why fantasy sports is legal. And also, you know, it is a mass market social activity. Um, and so there's a general acceptance that, uh, that the law would be different for something that's a gambling product and something that, like fantasy sports, which is is kind of a social product um, that, that's more acceptable. So why do you think that you were, uh, I'm assuming that you were one of the first, but I, I do know that in one of the articles I read, there was uh, it was years before any entrepreneurs had jumped into um, the fantasy sport, I guess, Fan business, Daily Leaks, yeah. right? So there actually, you know, there's been lots of um, there's been lots of different innovators in in the fantasy sports space, and even before we launched, I remember there was you know a handful of one sites that we were looking at that were doing different things, um, and then since we launched and since you know the success we've had, that we've had, uh, I think we lost kind of forty or fifty sort of direct competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's been lots of lots of innovation in the space, and you know some of the newer ones now are doing kind of more interesting, kind of say mobile only or, or a variant on on, on daily fantasy. Um, so you know there's been there's been a lot of competition, a lot of innovation in the market. I think the one thing that we've you know we've been innovative, but we've also been able to scale it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking to Nigel Eccles, the CEO of Fanduel. Nigel, I got a couple more minutes with you after the break. I mm-hmm. want to get into. Uh, different sports and, and the differences on what's popular and what's growing and what you're excited about and and, uh, and why why not soccer yet? <laughs> no, you talk about soccer. I know you're from Europe, so um, but we'll do that after the break. I really am really enjoying this conversation, and uh, that's something I've I really took away from the South by uh, Southwest panel was looking at different sports and why certain sports work. So we'll do that right after the break here on Grill Nation. Thanks for joining us today on the KMBZ Business Channel and on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, and GrillNationShow.com. I turn the music up, I got my records on. I shut the world outside until the lights come on. Maybe the streets are light, maybe the trees are gone. I feel my heart stop beating to my favorite Welcome back to Grill Nation. I'm your host, Jason Grill, alongside John Kenny Hertz, uh, Kenny Hertz Perry Law, uh, special guest co-host today and partner. Uh, we've been talking to Nigel Eccles, the CEO of FanDuel. Very lucky to have him on the show today. Uh, really interesting conversation about daily sports fantasy leagues and how the fantasy sports world is growing. Uh, Nigel, talk to me about, talk to us about sports because fantasy football, uh, has always been probably number one just because it doesn't take as much time, I think, when you're dealing with it. It's a once-a-week thing. And I've been a Dan- I'm in a uh, fantasy baseball league. I've been for years. I finally quit because, you know, it was just taking up so much time with head-to-head and with all the rotisseries yeah. and all that changing of players. And, 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 and daily fantasy is kind of – it seems like it would be perfect for, for baseball. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it it so, just appeals more, I feel like. Well, actually, if you break down the sports um, from deal, if you look at traditional um, – what you'll see is that fantasy football is the dominant one. Um, second then is, is, is fantasy baseball, which has got an older demographic. There's certainly mm-hmm. not as many sort of young fantasy baseball players, probably matching the demographics of the sport. And then fantasy basketball never really took off in a season-long matter, and then there's another drop down to hockey. With um, with daily fantasy sports, it's interesting. Um, number one is, is still football. Um, it's still the dominant sport. Um and it sort of last year represented about half of our revenues. But actually, number two is basketball. Um, mm-hmm. Basketball has, uh, is, represents nearly 30% of our revenues uh, last year, and it's really driven 
it's really grown much faster um, than certainly baseball and, and kind of in line with football. And what we've seen with basketball, it's got a young demographic and a lot of the people coming in, in fact, half of the people coming in to play fantasy basketball with us never played fantasy basketball before. And so I think it's a combination of a young demographic who are basketball fans but weren't, weren't traditional fantasy basketball players. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I've done an NBA league once, I believe, and uh, mm-hmm. we don't have an NBA team here in Kansas City. Obviously, we used to. Uh, the Kings were here, but yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's huge. That's got to be a regional thing too. And you know, you guys have the partnership with the NBA, obviously, and some of the that's teams, right. which helps. Um, which teams are you guys working with in the NBA? Uh, so we've worked with uh, last season. We worked with uh, the Magic, uh, the Nets, um, the Bulls, the Lakers and uh, the Mavericks and the Cavaliers. Yeah. We figured Cuban would be interested in something like this. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's, uh, you know, he's, he's quite a character. Um, and certainly he, he loves you know, the idea of using technology to make people more engaged in sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that way, he's a great partner. So, what, so talk to me about uh, you know, hockey and soccer. I know you guys don't mm-hmm. do soccer yet. I mean, soccer is the number one sport in the world, obviously, with yeah. uh, users. It, it, mm-hmm. You got the England Premier League, which yeah. starts at really early, especially on the West Coast here. Mm-hmm. Um, what What's going on with soccer and, and fantasy sports? Is It, it hasn't so, caught on. Yeah, so it's certainly interesting. Uh, and there's definitely growing demand in the U.S., both for, say, Premiership, Champions League, and, and even NLS as well. Um, so it's certainly on our radar. Um, but, you know, if you, look at the, if you look at how revenue breaks down by sport, you go from 50% NFL to, you know, 30% NBA, to around 15% MLB, then you're down to around 3% with hockey and sort of 2% with college sports. Um, and so when we look at, say, some of our competitors offer uh, soccer, it, it's kind of in this sort of 1% range. Yeah. So it's something we're planning to do, but it just it hasn't it doesn't seem it doesn't yet have the same mass appeal that um, you know we, we think it's as important as you know optimizing the product for for football or for for basketball. It just and the stats seem to be a little harder in soccer, maybe for the typical. Yeah, fan. so that's that's kind of an open question for us. Is is it just a sport? Like ho- hockey is a good question. Um, hockey is a you know a, a relative to basketball. It should be it should be at worst a third of size of uh, of fantasy basketball, but it's actually about a twelfth. Mm. Um, and it's, it's just kind of is it because it's kind of a low scoring game? It doesn't lend itself as well to fantasy. I think that's sort of something we're still looking at. Is like we look at hockey and we sort of go, what, how could we make it better? Um, and that's still like a you know, it's an unanswered question for us. Interesting, Nigel. Uh, what's next as far as your company? What direction? Technology? Things that you can openly share with us? I guess. Sure. Uh, I think people um, would be excited to know what you plan. Yeah. So. So certainly, you know, we're investing a lot more in the product, and we're particularly on mobile. Or, you know, we we feel of a very, you know, very distinct leadership on mobile and, and the experience there. And um, we're investing a lot more in our live events business, and so uh, we run uh, multiple live events uh, with sort of finals in Las Vegas, uh, at the Playboy Mansion, South Beach in Florida, uh, and we discovered that the, our, our players love those. They they love they love playing daily fantasy, and they love even more meeting other players getting to finals, competing against other finalists. Um, and so that's something we're really going to build out as well. Um, so this, th- those kind of two of the big areas that we're, we're sort of focused on right now. Um, and, and I think it's probably the third one is just continue to think about our mission of, of making sports more exciting and, you know, what other what other ways can we make a product better to kind of really drive that, um, you know, drive that kind of make it better for the sports fan to, get, to take them closer to sports to kind of make them more engaged in games they may may not have been otherwise interested in. Talk to us about your funding, Nigel. Um, we mm-hmm. have a lot of entrepreneurs listening, and I know you've sure. gone through many many rounds. What's your advice yeah. on that note? Because you came with something that nobody really thought of. I don't think. Yeah. And, and, and how did that work? And, and you know, obviously you've. You've, you've got a lot of yeah. people working for you in Europe, and you've been to all over the United States raising money. I'm sure people yeah. had doubted you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we've, I guess, you know, we've raised money over, over four rounds uh, through our Series D. We've raised about $88 million in total. I guess one piece of advice is if you want to raise money, um, don't come up with something new <laughs> because, you know, that that's what we had. In, Makes in it pretty difficult. We, yeah. we had something that was very new, and investors looked at it and said, you know, I just, I don't, I don't see the market for it, and it was only whenever we sort of proved that 
you know, there was a big market and we actually, you know, we had found investors who were willing to take a big risk that did the other investor go, yeah, I get it, I see there's an opportunity there. Um, it's, it's very hard in the early stages if you're building a completely new market. The advantage of being a completely new market means that whenever the market happens, you know, you're kind of the, the dominant player and that, that's kind of been the opportunity we've had. But raising money when you're creating a new market is, is very challenging. Mm, totally. And now you're on the panel with uh, the, the guru of uh, fantasy sports advice, Matthew Barry, and the, one of the yeah. head of Yahoo Sports uh, at their, their fantasy at uh, mm-hmm. South By. It's a big thing for you. As I know you guys got started at South By, or you talked about one of your other companies at South By, so it's obviously been good. Oh, yes, you know, absolutely. We, uh, so we actually, so this, the history was we, we had a startup, which we started and launched in 2008. Started 2009, we sort of realized it was, it was an online prediction game. Was that, was that hub, what was it called? It was Hubdub. Hubdub Hub was yeah. called. It was a lot of fun. We had a lot of users, and we just kind of we sort of looked at it. And we went, you know what? This is really never going to be, you know, be a, a big business success. And so we went to South by to kind of sort of go like, let's come up with something new. You know, we we feel we've got a good team. We can we can figure something out. And so we we sat there outside. We rented a house and we where we all stayed. And we basically stood in front of a white, you know, it was actually a shed with posted notes of ideas and. One of the ones I think was just basically faster fantasy sports, um, and and that really was you know the, that was the origin. That's where the idea started, and and we just really rolled with that. A lot of programmers, I'm sure, right? A lot of programmers on your team, and that's a lot of stuff to keep mm-hmm. up with, isn't it? Yes, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we we uh, you know obviously we've invested really heavily in engineering in the last sort of six years since then, but that that was the start. Yeah. How, how many people do you employ now? And I think we're about 180. Wow. Growing. Growing quickly. It's yeah. awesome. Well, Nigel, we have a segment here where we, we play off my name and we put people on the grill. This is a Grill Nation show. Uh, got some quick questions for you that we're going to finish up with today. Uh, my friend John next to me, we'll, we'll go back and forth here. Uh, what is your uh, favorite sport, fantasy sport? It's a pretty easy one for you there. It's, you know, I'd love to say NBA, which is definitely you know it's the pinball of daily fantasy sports, but it's uh, it's, it's NFL. NFL. All right, what iconic car was created by a famous Irishman? <laughs> that was John. It was in a movie. You might have heard of it. Michael J. Fox was in it. You don't know <laughs> the answer. Yes, it's Delorean. The Delorean. There you go. <laughs> yeah, Northern Ireland. Yes, yeah. Northern Ireland. Well, I, funny thing is, we had to look up the guy's name, which, <laughs> so, I mean, ironically, is John Delorean. So, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Nigel, what is your uh, fantasy sports team name? Ooh, that's a good um, one. It's varied. It, it's kind of. It started off as the Green Monsters, the tip to Ireland, and it's kind of moved to sort of last, something like last to first, which was kind of. Usually my aspiration during the season. Yeah, uh, my, nothing always delivered. I like the Green Monsters. Mine was uh, wom- the Wombats. I've kept with it through every league. I don't know why I've played played on a wiffle ball team when I was a kid called the Wombats. So it just kind of kept going, and they're they're a fun team name. Mine was the uh, Suburban Underachievers <laughs> from Big Lebowski. <laughs> if you've ever seen that movie, um, okay, I've got another. Oh, I did one. have one, one. I did have a good one actually. Um, uh, like a couple of years back, a journalist uh, described us and said that we were like a big fish in a small pond. And but when ESPN and Yahoo come in, we would be mere plankton. And so <laughs> my my team name that year was the the mighty plankton. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, I read a little bit about. Well, like I told you, I read a lot of it, a lot about you um, before this. Do you still have the startup fear, and does that still drive you to do some of the things that you guys are doing? Oh yeah, yeah. Like that never goes away. I think um, I, I think it's very hard for anybody who's been through an early startup experience to believe it's all real and it's all permanent. Um, right. You know, in the early days of startup, you think nothing's real, nothing's permanent. Um, and I think you know the people who've been through that, they don't. I, I don't think anybody sort of. Thinks yeah, it's just a company now. Um, it's it's always like, no, it's 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 very it's very real. It's always much more than a job. Do you have any uh, celebration plan for when you pay out a billion dollars this year? <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. You know, like a lot of the times, like those numbers, you only like in retrospect, you're like, oh yeah, we did. You know, we did. Six hundred million last year. You're like, yeah, that was great. What are we gonna do this year? You, you know, got a guy holding a million dollar check. Setups. You just don't like you, you. Very rarely, you kind of go, yeah, let's have a big celebration. You kind of are always like, 
you know, when you raise money, by the time you get the money in the bank, you're like, oh my god, now, now we have to figure out how to spend it, and we have to get this board meeting, and so, you know, maybe maybe other people do a better job of celebrating, but we're very sure focused on the next thing. Nigel, what is your uh, favorite startup of all time? Mm. Besides yours, obviously. Startup yeah. <laughs> FanDuel. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. Um, oof. Um, what 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 change what what have you used the most or what changed your what changed your life the most of any any recent startup that we've heard of probably any um you know like, like a lot of people you know like I kind of you look at sort of the career of Steve Jobs and you read the biography of him like that's very inspirational yeah. um, um or you know say a current entrepreneur like somebody like Elon Musk um you're just like wow you transform two industries at the same time right. um, and, and we're willing to put everything on the line and that's phenomenal um, especially having, you know, when you've had success and you know he could sort of retire and be a multimillionaire and he said no I want to transform you know space uh, exploration and I want to transform the electric car industry uh, and to put everything on the line on those two bets is you know, I, I, very few people I think could do that um, I think that was pretty inspirational See, I was going to go with Grubhub, and I know that Jason was going to go with Uber. <laughs> Your answer was much yeah. better than ours. John, you got one more, Oh, don't yeah. You? Do you remember what Jason gave you at South by Southwest in order to entice you to come on the show? <laughs> yeah, I still got them. They're my socks. Yeah, the socks. The sock 101s. So are you enjoying the socks, Nigel? Yeah, they're good. I wear them every week. There you go. Love it. I love it. Well, uh, Nigel Eccles, CEO of FanDuel. You can check it out at FanDuel.com, guys. It's a uh, it's the leader in one-day fantasy sports. You've been called the godfather of daily fantasy sports. We really appreciate you coming on Grill Nation Day, Nigel, and uh, i love to have you on down the road to talk to you further about how the company's grown. And It's really exciting stuff, man. I appreciate you coming on the show. And we'd like to formally invite you to Irish Fest here in Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> have a great day, Nigel. Thank you very much. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for listening to Grill Nation. We'll see you again next week. Have a good one.